Happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, if you guys didn't know, this is my favorite holiday. And some of you guys are like, well, what about Christmas, right? I love Christmas. But in terms of like actual traditions of a holiday, Easter is my favorite holiday. Every Easter, I, I grew up every single year uh, getting a call. Our family would get a call. We didn't have cell phones back then, right? We had the home phone, the home landline. You know what I'm talking about? And we get a call every year at five or six in the morning on Easter. And be my grandfather's voice, he is risen. <laughs> and you know what? And he has risen indeed, right? That's the response, right? And so he wouldn't let us go. He'd call us back if we didn't answer, right? He wouldn't let us go without responding with the correct response. And so we're going to all embody this in our voices right now. I say he is risen and you respond with he is risen indeed, okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. You know, I have a couple other Easter traditions. And uh, we have two competitions every Easter. We celebrate a meal together at the table. And as a family, we do uh, two things. One's called egg ticking, also known as egg wars. And it's a, uh, it's a European tradition. My, my grandmother's here. She's Dutch. And uh, she brought, oh, there she is. And she brought the tradition with her from, uh, from Europe, you know. And what, what you do is you boil, uh, you know, hard-boiled eggs. And so you have these hard-boiled eggs and you dye them. And then everybody at the table has a partner and they have to tick their eggs together. And you try to smash them, which everyone cracks, that person's out, right? And so the last one standing without, with an uncracked egg wins. Okay? And every year I win. And every year, Will and my, uh, my sister Chloe claim that they won, and they lie. And we do, another, we do another competition. It's called the matzah eating competition. And matzah is the bread uh, that, that God delivered to the Israelites in the wilderness. And it represents his freedom, his deliverance, his guidance. And uh, we get these, these pizza, pieces of uh, unleavened bread, the matzah bread, and we have to try to eat from one corner to the other. Okay, and you're like, that's probably impossible. Well, you can get pretty close without it cracking. And uh, you'll have to ask me what this looks like. But every year I win. And then every year Will and, Will and Chloe claim that they won. Yeah, and one of us is lying, right? Um, and, you know, but these things, they represent God's deliverance. And the eggs represent new life. As they crack, they, they represent the tomb bursting forth and new life appearing. And so in our text this morning, turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 24. And in our text this morning, we're going to pick up from where we left off last Sunday. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday, and we celebrated Jesus', Jesus triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He comes as a king of peace. As people will sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, as he rides on a donkey, as the palm branches are waved, celebrating a king coming in peace. But we know that in Jerusalem, Jesus did not meet peace. Jesus was crowned with the, thorn, uh, the crown of thorns. He sat down on his throne, which was the cross. And he was murdered. He was murdered for the sake of the world. And when we pick up in Luke 24, and, and what happens kind of in between verse 1 and, and verse 36, we're going to pick up this, this morning, is women are the first ones to see that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. The women go to the tomb and uh, they go to see his body and his body's gone. And angels appear to them and they, and they, and they, they tell the, the women, he is not here, he is risen. And so then they go back to the other disciples, their brothers and sisters in the faith and say, you know, Jesus is risen. And they're like, oh, I don't believe you. Where's the body, right? I want to see Jesus. 
And so then Jesus appears to two of his disciples who are traveling on the road to Emmaus. And the two disciples are walking and, and he appears to them and they have this conversation. He opens their eyes. He lights this fire in their hearts as they encounter the risen Christ and they return to their brothers and sisters. And you know what their response is? He is risen indeed. That's where we get that from, by the way. And so we're going to pick up this morning here in Luke 24, verse 36. While they're still talking about this, they're in the upper room in Jerusalem. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, they were in disbelief, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it, in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He's saying that the whole Old Testament, all of the Hebrew Bible tells the story about me, that I would come and I would, I would be a king of suffering, but I would rise again. Verse 45, and he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And guys, we have a crown of thorns. We have a cross. We even have the wind blowing to show us the power from on high this morning as the tents are being thrown up in the air. You know, but this is our text this morning. And what we see is that, man, we've got a problem. The disciples encounter the risen Christ. He appears among them. He transcends laws of matter, appears in their midst. And they're excited, right? They say, oh, it's Jesus, awesome. No, doubts rise in their hearts. As he has risen from the dead, Doubts rise in their hearts. You know, and it's, uh, it's really interesting. Why, you know, why would they doubt? I want to ask you guys, if Jesus appeared right now in the flesh, in your midst, would you guys believe it's Jesus? Would you, would you believe it's Jesus? Would you actually believe? I, I think maybe not. I think all of us would be like, oh man, if only Jesus appeared to me. But if he appeared to me, I'd be scared. I'd be like, am I seeing things? Did somebody slip something into my drink, right? Uh, you know, am I hallucinating? Am I too tired? Is it a ghost, right? We're like, what is this guy appearing in our midst? And they're frightened. And they're frightened because they had never heard of or experienced something like this before. This was unknown to them. You know, in Jesus' day, in the first century, those three views of the afterlife, of what happens when you die. And the first one, and this is actually what the Jewish priests, the Sadducees, believed. And that is that there is no afterlife. The first view of the afterlife, there is no afterlife. They believe that when you die, you die. That from dust you came to dust you shall return. And that's it. You know, there's no hope past this earth. 
And so you might as well live your life however you want, right? Gather wealth, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow you die. That was their view. The second view of the afterlife uh, was that you'd become a disembodied spirit. And this is what the Greeks and the Romans believed, is that then when you died, your body would perish, never never, uh, to be taken up again. But there was hope for your soul, that your soul might become a shadow living in Hades uh, with all the other souls, that there's a soul world, that you'd lose feelings, you'd lose uh, fulfillment, you'd lose an embodied self, but your soul would exist into eternity. Uh, But then there's view three. And that's what the Pharisees believed. That's what Jesus' disciples believed. And they believed in a resurrection. And what the resurrection was to them was it was the age to come. That one day in the far off future, the age to come, eternal life would come into the present. And all people who were righteous and had died would be raised to eternal life. That they would live in a new life, in new bodies, in a new world. And so there was hope for those people. You know, but all of those, all of those views of the afterlife did not account for the resurrection of the future coming into the present. For none of those people did they believe that someone could rise from the dead, not just like be resuscitated, like have their heart, you know, pumped and they wake up again, but actually rise from the dead to life now. Nobody believed that. And so the disciples, they don't know what's happening. They're frightened. They're doubting. And I think about us and I think we live in an age where doubts are on the rise as well. Jesus asks, why do doubts rise in your hearts? And here's the uh, the Holy Spirit wind coming at us. And he says, why do doubts rise in your hearts? But doubts are on the rise today. You know, if we encounter the risen Christ, I think we might doubt too. And I think we doubt because the world we live in has lots of reasons to doubt. The world we live in has lots of reasons to believe that death has the last word. And if there's anything that the last year since last Easter has taught us is that doubts are on the rise and death is on the rise. There's pain in this world. And I think we carry around death. We carry around the tomb in our bodies every day. And what I mean by that is, have you ever felt really stressed or anxious about something? Where'd you feel it? In your stomach, right? Maybe in your heart, maybe in your lungs, maybe in your head. We carry around feelings in our bodies, feelings of death, feelings of pain. Yeah, I had had neck surgery about five years ago and I have a little scar on my neck and I I carry that scar around in my body. I'll never forget that that surgery, right? I'll never forget how that impacted my life. And, you know, what really stinks is just recently I've started getting tingling in my fingers again, which is why I got the neck surgery because I had some nerve damage and uh, I, I carry around this tingling. I carry around these feelings of ailments in my body. You know, I've, uh, some of you guys know I've sprained my ankle like 50 times. You know, I've broken it. I've torn the ligaments in. I've sprained it. It's permanently swollen. Like I have, if I like flex it, you know, there's like this big, huge lump there of scar tissue That's not going away, right? I carry my pain, my experiences in my life around in my body. When I'm anxious or stressed, I carry that with me. I think even this morning, just setting up and being anxious about our first in-person service, I'm like carrying around stress in my stomach, like feeling sick. You know, we carry these things around in our bodies. You know, some of us have lost loved ones this past year. 
I remember the first time I lost someone who was close to me. It was a woman who's like an auntie or, or a grandmother to me named Velma. Now I grew up going to her house every weekend and uh, you know, she'd bake us cookies. You know, she was an old lady who was like family to us. And right after we moved from, from Charlottesville, Virginia, I remember her passing away. And we came back for the funeral and I was asked to speak at her funeral because I, like, I was like a grandchild to her. And I was a wreck. I was crying. I remember seeing her, her body and, and thinking, man, there's got to be hope out there because this woman, how could this woman die? And it's painful. I'll never forget that. I carry those things around with me. I want to ask you, what, what do you guys carry around with you? What bits of death and the tomb do you carry with you? What stress or anxiety? What experiences? What trauma? What loss? Some of us have lost friends or family or loved ones in the faith. We had friends leave God. We're experiencing death in that. That hurts. That hurts us. And we see little bits of the tomb around us. Little bits of death in this world. And I think why we have such a hard time conceptualizing the risen Christ in body form is because we're so accustomed to death and loss and pain. And we carry it around in our bodies. And so it's, we, can, we can conceptualize, oh, maybe our souls will go up to heaven when we die. right? That we can conceptualize. But our bodies being raised to new life? How could God raise this body with all of its jacked up stuff? with all of its sin, with all of its brokenness, with all of its trauma, with my scars, with my pain. How could God raise this? How could he resurrect this? How could there be new life in this? There's a quote from uh, the movie Risen about a a Roman uh, soldier who's trying to figure out what it means for Jesus to be resurrected. He saw Jesus die and then he sees him raised to new life. And he's like, what is this? He says, I see this stuff, but I cannot reconcile this. All of this with the world that I know. I cannot reconcile the risen Christ with the world I've experienced, with the death and the pain and the hardship that I've experienced. We carry around bits of death in our bodies. And the question rings within us. How do we reconcile all of this with the resurrected Christ? And so my my big idea for you guys this morning is we've got to put our bodies into it. We've got to put our bodies into it. You know, the other day, uh, you guys know and love Asia, right? This beautiful young lady. The other day, I was, uh, I was playing basketball with Asia in our, in our driveway. And, um, you know, if you want to learn how to dunk, I'm the first person you think of, right? I'm the first person you're like, man, if I want to learn how to dunk on a basketball, I'm going to bend, right? And so me and Asia... Me and Asia were playing basketball, and she's like, I, I, like, I did a, like a one-arm dunk and like a, you know, jumped up and, and dunked it backwards. And she's like, oh, I want to learn how to dunk. So I'm like, let me teach you, right? So I'm like, let me teach you how to dunk. And so I'm like, yo, take a few steps back and like at first just practice holding the ball and running up to the hoop, right, and, and, and jump. And, uh, you know, she's like getting scared. I'm like, Asia, you just got to go for it. You got to believe in yourself. You got to put your body into it. And she's like, well, if I put my body, what if I knock you over? Because I'm like, you got to practice dunking over me, right? So I'm standing in front of the hoop with my hands up. She's like, what if I knock you over? I'm like, Asia, you really think you can knock me over? And um, I'm like, just go for it. You got this. Come on, girl. You know, and so she takes the ball. We're going to pretend like that's the hoop. And she pulls like a Super Mario. She goes, <laughs> and just flying knee to my chest. 
Right, it's up a goal. I don't even know if the ball went in or not. Uh, but she did learn to dunk that day. By the way, our basketball hoop is eight feet. It's not ten feet. And uh, no, so she did learn to dunk. You know, but she put her body into it. But she was scared to at first, right? But when she put her body into it, she's flying knees me in the chest. And uh, what we learned though about, about Jesus in this text is that he put his body into it. When Jesus appears to his disciples, they think he's a spirit, they think he's a ghost, which that would be amazing enough, right? If we had a risen Jesus that was a ghost and he could come and tell us what to do, that would be amazing, that would be scary. But the fact that Jesus rose in the body shows us that the resurrection is embodied. The resurrection, the new life for us is embodied and it's communal because he doesn't just, he doesn't just appear to one person. And when he does appear to them, he appears to the whole family, the spiritual family, and doesn't stop there. He sits down and eats with them. He says, let me experience embodied life with you. Do you have anything to eat? He says, see my hands and my feet, touch me. He's showing them his body. He's experiencing communal and embodied life with them. And what Jesus does, why it matters that Jesus took on real flesh, that he had a real body, and when he resurrected, he had a real body as well. Why that matters is because Jesus is bringing the age to come into the present. All of his disciples are thinking about the, the resurrection in the last days, and he's saying, hey, I'm bringing that here now. The resurrection, the hope that you've been waiting for, the only hope on earth, that when we die, our lives mean something. Watch your heads. Oh, Jeanette, you okay? I'm okay. Okay. The hope that we have in the resurrection, that our life can mean something, relies on the fact that we'll get our bodies back, but that there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more weeping. And what Jesus does when he resurrects in the body, he brings the age to come into the present. Some would call this the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In the gospel of John, they call it eternal life. And what Jesus does is he takes the resurrection, the eternal life, the kingdom of God, and brings it into the present. And when he sits with us and eats with us, when he shows us his flesh and says, touch me and see, he's saying that you can live the resurrected life now. That you can be resurrected now and have hope for eternity. That the kingdom of God is here now. He's saying, I've been crowned. I've sat on the throne and I've conquered death and there's new life and a new kingdom for you to be a part of. He says that you can be resurrected, that your life can be communal and embodied too. Heaven on earth. You know, we are human beings. We're meant to be with one another. We're bodies. We're meant to be embodied. We're meant to have communal life together. And I think the ultimate expression of humanity is eating at a table. The ultimate expression of what it means to be human is sitting and eating with others at a table because we experience relational life. We are people who are dependent on one another. We come out the womb needing a mother, needing a father, needing people to take care of us. And that doesn't change. We don't become enlightened and then no longer need anybody and just get to live our own lives. We are embodied because we need people. We need somebody to grow our food. We need somebody to prepare the table. We need somebody to share fellowship with. We need embodied life. And we need food. We need sustenance. And Jesus sits and eats with us to show us that resurrection is here for all people.
And not only that, he says, hey, celebrate my resurrection. Take my bread, take my wine, take my body, take my blood that was poured out for you that ushers in the new kingdom and do it with one another. Be humanity together. Touch me and see. Experience life with me. You know, this is why the Apostle Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. And that without the bodily resurrection, our hope is in vain. You know, but we're scared of the resurrection. I think we're scared of this. We're scared of putting our body into it. We're scared of knocking somebody over, kneeing somebody in the chest. Because what comes before resurrection is death. And for us to experience this new life, for us to experience the resurrection, we have to experience death first. We have to die to our patterns of death and sin and the tomb. We have to die to our patterns of sin. We have to die to these old lives. And I think resurrection will indeed rock our livelihood. It is frightening. It is scary. But it's the greatest gift there could ever be. What we experience when we experience the resurrection embodied in communally is we experience dunking on somebody right we start dunking on everything in our path it's awesome we get power from on high now just says wait for power on high to come upon you be clothed on you we're this wind out here guys it's so amazing being together again in the flesh seeing you guys i mean there's so many of you guys i haven't seen in the same place in so long i look at baby laurelyn in the back she's so beautiful Kat, it's great to see you as well. <laughs> no, but it's amazing being here. It's amazing being outside in the flesh with each other, with our family. And what we do when we come together is we experience the risen Christ. In one another, in our fellowship, we start to experience the body of Christ here, resurrected on the earth now, in each other. And we get to be part of that. You know, I think what we need practically is rhythms of resurrection for us. I think there's three kind of ways we can experience rhythms of resurrection in our lives today. And the first one is just looking for new life. You know, I think we've got to ask Jesus, right? And ask one another and for Jesus to speak to one another. You know, where can I find new life in my life? Where are there bits of me where I'm still holding on to the tomb and death? I need to experience new life. Where is Jesus trying to resurrect that part of me and breathe new life into that part of me? Let's ask each other that consistently. Asking, man, what do you see in my life that needs Jesus to touch? What do you see in my life, brother or sister, that I can grow in, that I can become more like the resurrected Christ in? And the second rhythm of resurrection I think of is family rhythms. I think we need rhythms of sitting at the table as a family giving and receiving hospitality, sharing food together. And as we look forward into the age when all of us will be vaccinated and, and all of us will be safe and, and COVID's passing away, will we be the first ones to invite someone to our table? Will we be the first ones in our community to, to experience life together, for people to come in and find new relationships and life-giving relationships in our family? I think that's what we've got to be, church. And third, I think we need to have our minds open to the scriptures, right? Jesus explains to them how he is in every bit of God's story. And one challenge might be for us, churches, for us in, in, until next Easter, you know, a year from now, to use this next year to read the whole Bible. Now, I mean, I, I think there's lots of us who maybe we've, there's books in the Bible we've never read. 
right? There's bits of God's story that we've never heard. Let this be the year where we experience all of God's scriptures and we see Christ in everything so we can go out in the world and see everything the way Christ sees everything. So we can see everything with a resurrected life. You know, I think about people who are doing this, right? Or people who just, I'm like, man, so inspired by their lives. I think about people like Christian and Ariana. You know, honestly, they've grown so much in the last year. Ariana has come into her shell, right? Which represents new life in the resurrection, by the way. She's come into her shell here in the New River Valley. Maybe it's come out of her shell, you know, whatever. (laughs) But for the purpose of this message in Easter, she's come into her shell, right? She's come into new life. You know, it's been amazing seeing her blossom like the springtime. It's been amazing seeing Christian who, you know, there's things he was working on in his character last year. But man, oh man, has he grown in his faith? Has he grown in his relationships? Has he grown in being reliable and a brother to so many of his brothers and sisters? It's awesome. I think about Chris Maloney, you know, who's visiting here this weekend. He's an old hokey. He's, he's old now, right? But when he was here, man, he was the guy who was embodying resurrection rhythms. He was always looking for an opportunity to pray with you, to encourage you, to lift you up, to sit down and share a meal with you, to have embodied communal life so that we can be the resurrection for the world. You know, in John 11, 24, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who lives in and with me has eternal life now. That's John 11, 24. I think about people like Jenny and Zach Wilson. You know, people who are, are living a resurrected life, who have become Christians this last year. You think about the year, year, their life a year ago to now. Oh my gosh, she's Bible lady now. You know, Zach Wilson gets baptized, resurrected in Christ, experiencing the resurrection, part of the family here, and then gets sent to boot camp. But what is he doing? He's writing letters to us. He's looking for people in his, in his company to sit down and have Bible studies with. He's, em- he's embodying communal resurrection. And for those of you who feel like, man, that's just not me this year. That can't be me. I've, I've experienced too much abuse, too much ailments. I've been sinned against. I've sinned against too many other people. I, I can't experience the resurrection. This can't be for me. I tell you, your story's not over. Amen. Your story's not over, but the tomb is empty. There is new life waiting for you to live into. And you can do it in your body today with your family communally. I want to read a verse from Song of Songs. Right? Remember when Jesus said, hey, all of the scriptures, the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, the writings, they all point to me. So we're going to look at Song of Songs to prove that. Verses 10 through 13 read, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Brothers and sisters, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday today and look forward with faith into the next year, let us arise and come to Jesus, our darling. Our seasons of death and the tomb, the winter, the rains, it's over. Let us look forward with singing as the flowers spring up with joy. Let us rise with Christ as he rose. Let us be a people who never gives up because our story is not over. The tomb is indeed empty. Let us be those who leave our tombs behind, who put our body in the game and experience the resurrection today. 
Let us arise as each of us embodies the resurrection and we become the body of the resurrection communally together. Let us live into rhythms of resurrection, experiencing Jesus' life in the kingdom of God on earth here as in heaven. As we celebrate Jesus' life today, let us give new life to those around us. Amen. I'm going to say a prayer for us on, on this Resurrection Sunday. Let's bow our heads and embody life with Jesus. Holy Father, bless us and keep us. Lord, make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, turn your face towards us and give us peace. God of the resurrection, give us resurrection life here and now and in the days to come. Let us embody the risen Christ and live into your story. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Let us rise and come to you as we are your darling, your beautiful ones who you deeply love. We praise your name. We thank you that the tomb is empty and that Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.